The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's best hybrid mattress five years running. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. Let me juxtapose two images in your mind. One of a grandmother in her home kept pristinely everything in place being attacked and strangled dead now imagine this you know that moment when they're putting a needle in your mouth and they're novocaining you for some procedure or they put the little gas mask on you and you pass out and you wake up and all the dental surgery is done Well, imagining that guy hovering around you with the needle in his hand, the dentist just gets charged for murder. Now, what do those two things have to do with each other? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. A 67-year-old grandmother is found dead in her own home a very beautiful mansion in Beverly Hills, and now, out of the blue, 
the dentist to the stars, Daniel Jacoby, arrested, charged with the grandma's murder. P.S. He's also her son. To Pam Fur, Crime Stories investigative reporter, joining us, let's just start at the beginning. Why did police come to the victim's home to start with? Well, sure. Um, the daughter and the dentist, brother and sister, had not heard from their mother. The two of them, Daniel Jacoby and the sister, go over to the home because they hadn't heard from their mother. They kept trying to call couldn't get in touch with her. They go to their mother's home, Violet, and they find her there, unconscious and unresponsive. And that's when her daughter called 911. First responders arrive. She's pronounced dead right there at her home. And in fact, police say that she was probably dead 24 hours before they even arrived. And at that point, police, yeah, they, they and then they get suspicious of the cause of death. Things did not add up, and that's when the investigation started. Well, I'm curious, uh, Pamela Fur, Crime Stories investigative reporter, could they not tell at the beginning that it was a manual or ligature strangulation, or was it asphyxiation such as um, putting a pillow over her head? Do we know the COD cause of death? I believe they are ruling this strangulation at this point, and so at that point they started looking at everything in the house. And according to police, they got their uh, electronic devices, computers, whatever evidence they found, which they have not released at this time, led them to believe that it was Daniel that actually strangled his mother. You know, let's just talk for a moment about the crime scene. Karen Smith joining me, forensics expert. She and I have had the occasion to do several scientific experiments together. Also with me, renowned defense attorney out of the California jurisdiction, Troy Slayton. Hey, Troy, before I go to Karen Smith, if in fact he did it, the so-called dentist to the stars, um, how cool of a cucumber must he be to wait the 24 hours knowing his mother is dead. His mother, his flesh and blood is dead, murdered in her home. And he waits while everybody pretend, you know, he pretends to call her and check on her and the sister's calling and checking on mom. And then he goes with the sister over there and what? There's mommy's dead body. I'm so surprised, Troy. He's going to have to give an Academy Award winning performance then because nobody knows you better than your mom and dad or your sister. And so he's going to have to put on a performance more than when you snuck into the your, your parents' uh, present supply during Christmas and had to pretend like you didn't know what you were getting that next morning. You know, it's so funny you said that, uh, Troy, because I can look at my brother. I can look at him. And tell when he's lying. Exactly. Okay. My sister, my sister never lies. Okay. So I don't have to tell whether she's lying or not. My brother can totally pull one over you, but he gets this funny look and it's in the eyes. I can't. It's the way he looks at you when he's trying to tell you a lie. Um, and I can do the same thing with John, David and Lucy. It's just a subtle thing. Now, I always tell my husband, I know he's lying because his lips are moving. Okay, that really makes him mad. But uh, that's just a joke. 
okay? Because I know his sister's listening right now, and she'll totally wrap me out. But the children will, they just have a certain look on their face. So you're totally right, Troy Slayton. His sister was with him when they go into the home and find their mom dead. So for him to pretend that he is surprised that he didn't know this, he would have to put on such an incredible performance that he would have to trick the person that has known him his entire life, who is able to smell BS when it's coming out of her own brother. (laughs) Well, catch this. Hold on, Troy. Listen to this. After his mom's death, Jacoby takes to social media, calling her, quote, an amazing mother and truthfully saying not a day goes by. He doesn't think of her. And how he killed her. Oh, wait, sorry. He didn't add that on the end. How he thinks of her every single day. And according to police, that's uh, a pretty chilling statement because they believe firmly he is the one that murdered his own mother for money. I mean, for one thing, Troy Slayton, she had quite the crib. It was a posh $7 million Beverly Hills mansion. I mean, Troy, that's your neck of the woods. Can you even have a home in Beverly Hills for for less than a million dollars? Not really. But those would be chilling statements when he took to social media and was praising his mother. Those would be chilling unless he's innocent, unless he really did mourn her loss, unless he really is the wrong guy. Because it took a a, a allegedly a high-tech unit of the Beverly Hills Police Department and working with others to try and piece together an electronic footprint and to put together a financial motive for this crime. This may not have been him. Straight to Karen Smith. Karen Smith joining us from the Florida jurisdiction, uh, known across the country as an expert in forensics. Let's talk about the crime scene, Karen. What strikes you? A lot of things struck me, Nancy. As a matter of fact, when I read this, my little forensic brain spun. We're going to deal with the physical evidence first, and that's the body. You talked about strangulation. Are we dealing with a ligature? Are we dealing with manual strangulation? Um, Was there a handprint on her neck that leads me to DNA? Not necessarily DNA from her skin, but if there was DNA under her nails from a struggle, and it comes back to Daniel Jacoby, he's going to have to explain that. You're dealing with uh, evidence on her body like lividity, the blood pooling when uh, blood settles after death. Was she moved? That's a big indicator. Did did, uh, he move the body after she had passed away? And there's also something called petechiae, which is small little blood vessels around the eye and in the sclera of the eye that burst during strangulation. Those are telltale signs for the coroner and for investigators to know that this was a wrongful death. It wasn't natural. You've got the scene. It's a mansion. It's a $7 million mansion. I'm assuming there's an alarm system. Um, Was it disabled? Did somebody have the code? Was it reset at some point? Who has the code and who turned it off and when? Were there signs of forced entry? If not, (laughs) that's a huge clue for investigators. Uh, You're talking with digital evidence, computer searches. Was he dumb enough to search for strangulation or asphyxiation? Did he go in and do something as innocuous as looking at the value of the home? And that leads to the financial motivation. Was the will changed? Who gets what? 
Did he have money problems? Was there an insurance policy? And basically what it all comes down to is if there was no sign of forced entry, and if there's no signs of theft or burglary, and if there's no struggle, we're left with someone with limited motivation, somebody that she either allowed in the house or somebody who knew the alarm code, knew her habits, and knew their way around the house. So that limits my suspect pool right there. Well, we do know from Lieutenant Elizabeth Albanese that the crime was committed with a motivation of financial gain. The crime was committed um, with the motivation of financial gain, uh, and certainly that's very disturbing uh, in in this situation. A homicide investigation was initiated uh, that same night, and as they began to work through their investigation and talk to witnesses and uncover some evidence, that's what led them to believe that her son was, in fact, the suspect in the homicide. Because there was a life insurance policy, and I would bet, if I were a betting woman, that it was made out to beneficiaries' son and daughter, much less the multi-million dollar mansion set on invaluable land in the middle of Beverly Hills. He was leading a double life if these claims are true. Take a listen to his ad. Take a listen to his ad. Alan Duke, what is it that he calls it about his smile factory? What does he say? His his dental offices are smile centers. Smile centers. Okay. All right. Listen to this. Northridge Smile Center is located on Reseda Boulevard in the heart of downtown Northridge in the San Fernando Valley. The various procedures we offer at our offices include zoom whitening, Invisalign, clear correct. We do all types of veneers, uh, from Da Vinci to Lumineers. We're all about the people. We're all about building relationships and building a foundation of better health for all of our clients and all of our patients. That was the suspect, the, quote, loving son, Daniel Yacobi, as he touts his, quote, smile center. This is another quote from him. Mom. I love you and miss you. No words can express what you mean to me. Every single dollar, Troy Slayton. Every single dollar, Troy. Unless he didn't do it. Oh, dear Lord in heaven. Just because somebody is going to benefit financially, which naturally happens to children of people that have money, they leave their money to their children, that doesn't mean that their children killed them in order to get the money. Good gravy. Jackie, have you seen this home? Have you looked at this? I think um, I'm pretty sure that I have walked or jogged by this before and, and stared, gawked, at all the beautiful, incredible. D, come over here and look at this home. I've got my friend D here with me. D, do they have anything like that in Birmingham? Because I know they don't make an I'm pretty sure. No, probably not. Wow. All right. Okay, enough staring at the home. This is what I know. Weigh in on this, Karen Smith. Detectives claim they use a high used a high tech crime task force to search through computers, electronic devices, and that it is there they found clues that led police to believe the son is the killer. I mean, doesn't he have enough money at his smile factory? You would think so. 
And they're going to do a deep dive into digital evidence. They're going to need a warrant. So obviously they had some kind of probable cause to lead them to obtain that warrant and do this digital evidence search on all of his devices. So I, I don't know what that would be and what would give them the, the PC to do that. But obviously they had it. So I, I, I'm really curious to find out what they found. I have a good idea. But um, I have an idea too. to see how it plays out. You know, another thing I'm looking at is the possibility at this mansion, and it, it truly is a mansion, if they have surveillance video. Was he spotted on surveillance video? Was the alarm, like when you go in a home, for all of you listening, don't put your alarm keypad in an obvious place, like right inside the door. Put it somewhere else where somebody coming in doesn't have immediate access to it. Anyway, did he, was he keyed in or did she expect him to be coming and she turned the alarm off? When you say you think you know what the forensic evidence is based on the computer and electronic searches, Karen, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, to me, if, if we're looking at a financial gain, which is what they've said, you're going to be looking at, you know, wills. Did he do searches for that? Did he pull it up? Did he alter it? Did he go in and look for uh, home values? Did he look at uh, searches for, God forbid, strangulation, asphyxiation, things like that? Um, what was he doing in financial records? If that's the motivation, that's where they're going to focus their investigation is his financial history is he in dire straits? Does he have a need for money? Uh, what was he doing looking at these financial records or going in and looking in the computer uh, to lead them to this financial gain motivation? Let me just pause as we discuss a 67-year-old grandmother found dead in her own home. And now the dentist to the stars, Daniel Yacobi, her son, arrested charged with murder. I want to thank our sponsor making this and all our investigations possible at SiriusXM 132. It's LegalZoom. You all know small business is a hot topic this year. National Small Business Month at LegalZoom is perfect timing. Whether you're just starting out or already have a business, Headline, 2018 has incredible opportunities because of new tax laws, including the biggest changes for business owners in the last 30 years. LegalZoom helps you understand what that means for you. LegalZoom, not a law firm. They are a nationwide network of independent lawyers and tax professionals. They answer your questions. They get you on the right track. And they tap into resources starting 16 years ago. Giving business owners the tools to start and run their business the right way every day. Over the next weeks, find out how LegalZoom can help you during National Small Business Month. Don't miss it. Check out LegalZoom.com today. Special savings when you enter code NANCY, N-A-N-C-Y, in the referral box at checkout. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. LegalZoom.com, thank you for being our sponsor and our partner today on SiriusXM132. You know, let's just talk for a moment about the dentist to the stars, Daniel Jacoby, arrested, charged. 
he is the one that murdered his own mother. This is another aspect to his personality. I don't know if it's um, probative, in other words, proves anything at trial, but Alan Duke, everybody out in Beverly Hills, you know, from the waitress at the burger place to uh, the gas station, everybody is pushing a script or a, quote, project. I mean, everybody from the kids' playground, you name it. Um, I learned that when I was out there living for Dancing with the Stars. He refers to himself as dentist to the stars, Alan, and... Prior to his arrest for murder, he was a high-profile dentist to the stars and has posted photos of himself. Here he is on his own website. Here's one with the star of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Alfonso Ribeiro. But you know what? This is woefully out of date. Everybody knows, or at least if you have 10-year-old twins, that this guy also was the host or is the host of America's Funniest Videos after Tom Bergeron left. Okay, this so he is posting photos of himself with various stars, calling himself dentist to the stars. They don't call him that. He calls himself that. Look, if you're Troy Slayton's dentist, you're a dentist to a star. But quit sucking up to Slayton. Save it. Save it. Well, you know, Troy, you know what? Okay, I'm going to um, leave Alan Dew in the sucking up in that corridor and go to Troy Slayton. Troy, what do you do with a client that posts one selfie after the next of himself with stars? Well, if I represent somebody, I ask them to take down immediately any type of social media at all. I don't want, uh, and that's whether before they're arrested or after they're arrested, I don't want savvy prosecutors like yourself to be able to pick and choose things from their social media footprint, from their history, and use that as people's exhibit one in court to paint a picture that may not be accurate, that may not have anything to do with the case at hand. You know, I'm looking at his mother. Jack, you look at her. She's very attractive. She kind of looks, in a way, she looks to me like Sally Fields. But with lighter hair, she's very young looking uh, to be a grandma. And she's got her little teacup puppy with her. And if that's her home on the inside, it's pretty swank. This is what I know. Her own son now charged in his mother's strangulation. Uh, Pamela Fur was right. It's strangulation, not asphyxiation, which means he had to either do it manually with his own hands or by ligature, which is with a rope or a stocking, strangle the life out of his own mother. Pamela Fur, investigative reporter for Crime Stories. What more do we know now? We know at this point that he is being held without bond. He has pleaded not guilty. He has a defense attorney, Trent Copeland, who has said to the press, no one is perfect. No investigation is perfect. I'm quoting. I hope to prove that my client is innocent, and I hope to also prove this investigation was somehow flawed. Okay, listen to this. No one's perfect. No investigation is perfect. And I, can, and I, I hope to prove <laughs> that my client's innocent, and I hope to also prove that this investigation was somehow flawed. Because clearly, 
Our view is that this is not the right person. Again, that's Trent Copeland, his defense attorney, and he is expected to be back in court, Daniel Jacoby, on March 19th for a preliminary hearing. Well, we do know this. Troy Slayton, they're charging him with one count of murder with special circumstances. You know what that means? Special circumstances means the death penalty. And here in California, they would need to prove that he had something other than just the murder, that he was lying in wait, that there was a lot of premeditation and planning. Financial gain. Financial gain could also Mm -hmm. be a special circumstance. Yes, Nancy. And, you know, Troy, explain to the listeners right here on Sirius XM 132 why financial gain is a motive, is deemed a special circumstance. There are a lot of murders, okay? A lot. I don't even know how many murders, homicides I investigated and tried. But there are certain categories called aggravating circumstances or special circumstances, as it's called in California, which mean when the DA puts that onto a murder charge, you're looking at the death penalty. Why is financial gain considered so, so different from, say, heat of passion? Not every murder is the same, and we don't seek to impose the death penalty every time there's a murder. So we, there are special classes of murders that we as a society look at as particularly heinous. So when a murder is committed against multiple people, against uh, law enforcement officers, when there is somebody who is planning and plotting the murder or doing it in order to take a life for financial gain, to take a life for money, that's particularly heinous and makes a person potentially eligible for the death penalty. Well, I believe the reason that financial gain is considered a special circumstance that is death penalty eligible is because it's cold and calculated and you place money over human life. That's a lot different than getting into a fight in a bar and pulling a gun and shooting it. Yes, that's murder too. But this financial gain is clearly thought out ahead of time. And a human life, your own mother's life, means less to you than the value of her home. Right now, he is behind bars and presumed innocent until proven guilty. A brutal serial killer. There's no doubt about the fact that he'd done the deed. But was his inspiration from a Stephen King story? Whoa. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. Police say a landscape gardener, a lawn man, is accused of murdering at least five men at least five, then scattering their remains across 30 different properties. And they are saying his MO, his modus operandi, his method of operation is eerily, eerily similar to that of Stephen King's lawnmower man. You know, Stephen King lives in a world of horror, all his own, built by his own construction. He may have been considered to be curious in nature. 
let's just say eclectic, eccentric, unique would be a good way to describe him. His books have turned into movies. He's wildly successful, but at this hour, he's making the headlines in an entirely different way as the perceived inspiration for a real-life serial killer. Joining me right now, Crime Stories investigative reporter John Limley. John, what do we know? Nancy, investigators began digging quite literally on January 18th. Wait, stop right there. John Limley, whoever said you did not have a sense of humor, okay? uh, Whoever said that me takes it all (laughs) back. Okay, start over. He started digging, and I noticed the way you emphasized digging okay go ahead yeah my my theater background is is uh, shining through Uh, these investigators really did uh begin not only investigating but uh, actually digging on january 18th in a neighborhood that's right next to toronto's big cemetery mount pleasant Police knocked on the door of 53 Mallory Crescent. It's a sprawling home owned by Karen Frazier and her husband, Ron Smith. 53 Mallory Crescent? Yes. Justice Scott Morgan, Destiny Investigator, that sounds like it's out of a book. 53 Mallory Crescent. That doesn't even sound real. Is that just me from reading too many crime stories uh, yeah it sounds it completely does, made yeah, up it does have uh, a rather uh, uh, gothic uh, tilt to it uh, i'd have to say yeah. well i didn't think gothic dr brian russell i thought it sounded like you know i would get that address a little hamlet a little village somewhere outside of london 53 mallory crest and of course morgan thinks it's like foreboding and evil but to me it sounds like it's out of a agatha christie novel yeah it's, i suppose it, that that had not struck me as being that unusual well, but wait a minute aren't you the lawyer and psychologist aren't you supposed to pick things up have you ever seen psych yes that's how i imagine you know because 53 you know what never mind back to you john limley crime stories investigative reporter since the men are not as sensitive and as intuitive as some people me are (laughs) we will go forward go ahead john limley so they knock on the door what happens right officers show this startled elderly couple a search warrant and give them 20 minutes to vacate the property so they can begin what emerged as quite a grisly task. Moments later, several white police vans pull up, crowd the street. Officers began to sift through the uh, contents of the couple's garage uh, that's stuffed with tools and planters and bags of soil. A few days later, neighbors say investigators erect a huge tent in the backyard and beginning begin to use a huge generator to thaw the frozen ground in preparation for excavation. Nearly two weeks after they began digging up the backyard at Mallory Crescent, the discovery of human remains absolutely sets panic in a city known for its quiet, leafy neighborhoods and a relatively low crime rate. The city had a serial killer on its hands. His name is Bruce MacArthur, a landscaper and shockingly had just wrapped up a part-time stint playing Santa Claus during the holiday season. Oh, man, you always have the one little twist fact that just sends me over the edge, John Limley. 
John Lindley joining me, Crime Stories investigative reporter. So they dig up one body. I can just imagine this little couple with me also, Jackie Howard and Alan Duke, Dr. Brian Russell, lawyer and psychologist, host of the hit investigation discovery series, Fatal Vows, Joseph Scott Morgan, death scene investigator, forensics expert, and professor of forensics at Jacksonville State University, Alan Duke. All right, I know you're not a crime scene expert, but you do watch a lot of movies. And uh, one of us, me, reads a lot of books. This sounds straight out of a movie set when you knock on the door and a, a little old couple answer, minding their own business, and suddenly they're like, get on the street. We're executing a search warrant. You got 20 minutes. Whoa. And then, to their mortification, find a dead body in the backyard. Oh, gosh. It, it gets even worse than that, and I'm just fascinated listening to the screenwriter John Limley tell this story. I mean, that's what he should be doing, not journalism. This is, uh, okay, you know what, Alan? Thank you for the career advice. Isn't it true, John Limley, that this couple had allowed the suspect to store equipment in a shed in exchange for free lawn care? That would be how they would be linked to this guy? Correct, Nancy. For about 10 years, they had known MacArthur, had allowed him to uh, keep quite a number of his his tools, even uh, some small plants and pots and such there in their garage. So a fictional horror story is playing out for real when police hone in on a guy they believe has slaughtered at least five men and hiding their dismembered body parts in gardens all across the city. Interesting, John Limley, he apparently buried this guy's body parts in this elderly couple's backyard in their garden, the same garden that he had been working on. What about the other four alleged victims? Were they also dismembered, and where were they found, or have they been found? Well, right now, the police are looking on matching up remains that they've found with some men who have been missing, in some cases, for several years now. So, so the key is they have bodies, they have names, and for at least three of those, uh, it's going to take some more research and testing to put those names and bodies together. I'm going to get to you on that, Joseph Scott Morgan, um, death scene investigator, but to Dr. Brian Russell, lawyer and psychologist, host of Fatal Vows on ID. This landscaper, Bruce MacArthur, is now suspected in five different murders at least. They, police say, discovered a number of hacked-up corpses hidden in large planters across the city. Now, what's crazier, Dr. Brian, the murders resemble almost to the T the plot in Lawnmower Man. Now, that was a short story by horror writer Stephen King that centers around a sex-crazy landscaper who murders the suburban owner who had hired him. And it goes from there. That that story only ends when police discovered those victims' dead bodies hidden under the backyard birdbath and then strewn and hidden across a manicured lawn under, you know, the grass, but in different parts. 
And now police are on a real-life scavenger hunt for bodies. Dr. Brian Russell, you're the shrink. Help me out. You know, when I look at this case, Nancy, it seems more to me like, uh, uh, you know, as, as we've seen with many of these killers, it's it's a convenience thing. It's a, you know, what can I do that to conceal the evidence of my crimes that is available to me easily. And so for him as a landscaper, concealing the bodies in the landscaping was the easy thing. You know, it's like kind of the uh, storyline of Sweeney Todd, you know, that the horrifying storyline of, of, you remember Sweeney Todd was the, the, the guy who, uh, who's, uh, wife had the bakery and, and he was the barber and he would kill demon barber of Fleet Street and he would kill people and then the wife would bake him into the pies. It, it's it's like that. Okay, Dr. Brian, I appreciate your flair for the theatric, but can we <laughs> talk about reality just a moment? Let me just rein in the wild imaginations of these men, Jackie. They're all going hysterical. I'm so happy I got to say some men were hysterical because it's always women that are allegedly <laughs> hysterical. Oh, now I hear some maniacal laughing on the other end. Okay, but let's get away from Broadway and um, scripts and talk about reality. Dr. Brian Russell, what I would like to point out in the real world is that killers often do the deed and dispose of the body where they are comfortable. For instance, Scott Peterson, fisherman, he dumped Lacey and Connor's dead bodies in San Francisco Bay. Other people, uh, they're hunters. They hide the bodies out in the woods or hikers. In this case, this guy is a lawn expert. So all across the city, police now believe Bruce MacArthur has hacked up bodies and hidden them in lawns where he worked. Forget about Sweeney Todd. He's not even real. Okay, guys, help me out here. Is that not exactly what I just said? <laughs> it's, a, it's a convenience thing. They, they put the bodies where they, it's easy for them to put them and, and where they know about. And this is a landscaper, and where he's got easy access, what he knows about is putting them in the landscaping. Yeah, yeah. Just got Morgan. Uh, now I'm on Russell's wavelength because I, I really believe people – stay in their habits. We are creatures of habits. Even though you may be off the chart as a serial killer or some other extreme, still we are humans. And this was his habit. He knew these lawns. He knew how they were landscaped. He knew where a body literally would never be found, much less a part of a body. Isn't that true? You're the death scene investigator. You know, that, that sounds like an interesting statistical study that should be commissioned as to the disposal of human bodies once murdered. Yeah, I'd agree, Nancy. Let me throw another number out to you here that's kind of mind-boggling. It's number 30. That's how many clients this guy had, the accused. 30 clients dispersed over, over this area. Now, even though the geographically uh, in this area, they might be very diverse neighborhoods, say, for instance, it is the environment in which he indwelled, where he cut grass, he did uh, uh, lawn work and that sort of thing. So the police, from an investigative standpoint, have a real job on their hands, don't they? Because 30 different clients that this guy had, and I'd like to see kind of how this pattern looks on a map, which is one of the things we do in serial investigations, see where this pattern is, how far out it expands. Some of the things that that you know that 
the police and crime scene technologists and forensic science are looking for, they're going to mark this and tie this back to this guy, are the instrumentalities of death. That is, how were these individuals killed? And we, we're hearing a lot about uh, how the bodies were essentially dismembered. And with most of these people that dismember bodies, they have a specific methodology. This is done on a learning curve, Nancy. You have to understand um, this is not something that you just automatically pick up. So in in the earlier cases, he unless he's been doing this for a long, long time, which may very well be the case, there might be other bodies, there's a learning curve to learn literally how to dismember a body. It's not an easy task. And then the disposal. How do you go about disposing of bodies? Is, is there a specific methodology in which he is employing? In this particular case, he's going to what he knows. He's a, you know, he's a landscaper. Uh, he knows how to use garden tools. He knows how to obscure things, how to essentially landscape things out of the field of vision. And this is going to be key. Another curious thing about this, Nancy, is I've heard, you know, buried in the yard and that sort of thing, but also this guy put body parts in planters, which gives me an indication that he, you know, he, he either thought that he was going to do their yards forever and ever, or he really didn't care that he was going to get caught. Uh, I do gardening. You know, I change the dirt out in my planters, uh, you know, yearly. So, you know, it's... Wait a minute, wait a minute. You have time to go out there and throw out the old dirt and put in the new dirt. Haven't you ever heard of planting those things that just re-bloom over and over? Like, they're like green. They don't necessarily have flowers. (laughs) That's no fun. I got to get into the therapy. I got to get into the therapy. All right. Keep going. So, you know, you've got body parts that are buried in planters, and these things have to be maintenanced. And so the idea is that someone at some point in time is going to come down the pike here and, and take that out and find something. It's not like a guy goes and chops up a body and throws it into a swamp or, you know, even buries it in concrete footers in a big building that's being, being poured. This is kind of curious to me. You know, here's how it all broke open. Right now, over 30 properties where MacArthur worked as a landscape artist are being inspected by police, including a, quote, extensive investigation at one residence where he used a garage to score, store equipment and flower pots. The digging first started January 18, the same day Bruce MacArthur was booked. Police issued a search warrant to those homeowners, Karen Frazier and husband Ron Smith, who allowed their, quote, helpful neighbor to store landscaping tools on their property. Amazing the way this whole thing has unfolded. And my guess is there's going to be more. One other thing about about this case that, that I'm finding quite interesting is that um, several of the people that have been targeted out of this group of six uh, are of Mideastern origin, and I think that that's, that's kind of an, uh, an interesting little aside there. Not all of them, but a, a significant number of these gentlemen were from the Mideast. Majid Kayan, Selim Eason, Srish Marmudi, Andrew Kinsman, Dean Lissowick. Those are some of the names we believe are his dead victims. Are there going to be more? Yeah, Nancy, i got to tell you... Uh, 
with this case, one of the things, and this all goes to what we look for in forensics, uh, kind of our, our meat and potatoes, uh, is we're trying to find connectivity through patterns. And right now, what we do know is that we've got, um, we've got uh, uh, several gay men that have, that have vanished, obviously, out of the Toronto gay village, as they're terming it. Uh, and one of the interesting things, though, is that one of these uh, gentlemen uh, who was a local activist in the gay community uh, was not like these other individuals that were targeted. Uh, this fellow was an activist, very vocal, and according to his friends, he's very, very protective. Uh, he uh, and and kind of uh, kind of had a rough side to him. He, I don't, you kind of get the impression from what I'm hearing that this fellow didn't abide fools. So uh, this was obviously a mistake, I think, that was made uh, by the perpetrator in this case, and. Uh, He's he's left behind a specific signature. According to his clients, the landscaper, Bruce MacArthur, quote, he went above and beyond what our original agreement was to cut the grass. There's a beautiful Christmas arrangement that just showed up a week before Christmas made by him. You have to understand he's so kind, helpful. He helped with our charity work, doing floral gifts for silent auctions. Well, hello, he's a serial killer. How can there be two diametrically opposed personalities in one body, Dr. Brian Russell? I don't know if you have ever heard of a serial killer named David Most, but yes. this guy reminds me of Most uh, in this way. Most, uh, by the way, uh, committed suicide in prison, and before he committed suicide, he wrote a memoir where he talked about what he was thinking when he did his killings, and I uh, received part of that memoir from a, a distant relative of his and had a chance to read it, and it was fascinating because... Most had, uh, he was very conflicted about his sexuality, and he you would... You know, Dr. Brian Russell is everything about sex with you. No. You and Dr. Would... Bethany Marshall, have you ever seen a crime that was not sadomasochistic, ever? I take that silence as a no. He would get into relationships uh, with men, and then he would get he would become uh, conflicted about whether it was wrong or not, and he would get angry at the men as if they had, uh, you know, somehow caused him to do something wrong. And then he would sort of he would get homicidal, and he would kill them, and then he would find himself needing to dispose of the bodies uh, rapidly. Wow. And so it's like Joseph Morgan said, it's it's uh, you know the the ways in which he disposed of these bodies were not necessarily you know brilliant because they were he he put them in places that eventually some of them at least were likely to be found, which suggests to me that perhaps there was a similar process going on where he would he would do something in sort of a uh, you know a sexually charged uh, rage and then can I tell you what then, he said on online you know he's on multiple multiple dating websites one quote this is the alleged serial killer I can be a bit shy until I get to know you but I'm a romantic at heart I love to cook and enjoy most types of food oh Okay, you know, when I put heart in the same sentence as his name, I think of him carving your heart out. Well, right now, this is what we know. Five people dead so far 
hacked into pieces, their bodies buried across a huge city in the backyards and on the grounds of his lawn care clients. We are waiting for the very latest as we dread hearing there are more victims of Bruce MacArthur. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's best hybrid mattress five years running. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner.